Welcome into another edition of Stuck in Misery. I'm your host, Mark Bergen. The play-in tournament is done and the NBA playoffs start today. I'm going to break down what I think are the best first-round matchups now that postseason action gets underway today. And we're going to start in the Western Conference where the number two Phoenix Suns, they get to play the number seven seed Los Angeles Lakers. And the big question people are going to have is, Is this LeBron James' last title chance? He's 36 years old. He's logged a ton of minutes. We know he was not a fan of the play-in tournament. He hit that incredible shot over Steph Curry, the longest shot LeBron's hit this season, propelling his team into the playoffs. But we might remember the eye game. What was a great matchup with LeBron doing his best Steph Curry impersonation, But LeBron and the Lakers are up against history. Here's what I mean. No team seated 7th or 8th has gone on to win the NBA title. Only one team seated lower than 4th has ever won the NBA championship. That was the 1994-95 Houston Rockets, a team that was the 6th seed. So congratulations to Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns, who had an awesome regular season. They finished second in the Western Conference Finals. Now they get to play LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the number seven seed Los Angeles Lakers, the reigning NBA champions. They get to play them in the first round. And Monty Williams is the coach of the year. Yet people are going to question him and Chris Paul when the Lakers upset them in the first round. And I would say upset goes in air quotes because... Oddsmakers are giving the Lakers the second best odds to win the NBA title. Recording this on a Friday night, Lakers are listed at plus 400 to win the title. The only team with better odds to win the NBA championship in 2021, the Brooklyn Nets at plus 240. So a couple of other things I noticed with what LeBron's been up to as well. He's been campaigning for Steph Curry to win the MVP To me, it's clear LeBron wants to play with him at some point in time because these were two players who they've had animosity on and off the court for who has control of the league. I think it's interesting that LeBron has kind of softened his stance against Steph Curry and they went head-to-head in several NBA Finals. One other thing from that Warriors-Lakers game, and I know it was the most watched game in two years, why the game has to tip off at 10 p.m. Eastern time. The game didn't get over until 12.30 in the morning if you're out on the East Coast. there's anything that the league can do to bump that time up, I think it would be beneficial because I'd imagine you lose quite a bit of viewers who have to get up and go to work the next day or get up and go to school the next day. Whatever it is that they have to do, if there's anything that they can do to move up those games, look out for the folks out on the East Coast. Second best playoff matchup I have are the Miami Heat against the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, whichever team wins this series likely will play the Nets in the second round. Giannis Antetokounmpo is still only 26 years old, coming off back-to-back MVP performances, likely will not win a third, despite the fact that he's played at about the same level that he did when he won those MVP awards. And then Jimmy Butler and the Heat, this was the team that emerged out of the Eastern Conference in the bubble. So can the Heat put it together again, even though that they didn't have that great of a regular season, but they might be finally putting it together when it really counts? 
The Bucks are heavily favored in this series at minus 290, but you can get pretty good odds if you want to gamble on the Heat. Heat are listed at plus 245. I cannot wait to watch this matchup, but whichever team emerges, I think both with Giannis and Jimmy Butler, you're talking about a potential matchup with the Nets in the second round. Both of those guys are pretty solid defensively. I think they would do at least a decent job of trying to slow down Kevin Durant in a Nets uniform. But I think that these two teams could be dark horse candidates to potentially make, say, an Eastern Conference Finals. Of course, you'd have to upset the Nets in the second round, but I hope that these two teams bring up the best in one another. Giannis versus Jimmy Butler. I can't wait to watch that. The third best matchup I've got are the Denver Nuggets going up against the Portland Trailblazers. We know Nikola Jokic is going to win the MVP just for the simple fact that for as high of a level as he played at, especially once Jamal Murray went down, Jokic was able to stay on the floor this season playing in all 72 games. This Nuggets team won two series last postseason that went to seven games apiece, both in the first round against the Utah Jazz and then upsetting the Los Angeles Clippers in the second round a year ago. But speaking of Murray's injury, Denver's Michael Porter Jr., only 22 years old, a finalist for most improved player of the year. Porter has really stepped up with Murray out. Before Murray's injury, he was averaging just above 17 points per game. Since Murray's injury, He's at 23.5 points per game. He's getting more touches. He's getting more points per touch. He has played really well for the Nuggets, and if he can continue to do that in the postseason, I think he's really going to be the X factor of this team of how far the Nuggets go largely depends on how Michael Porter Jr. performs. Again, only 22 years old, a very young player. We'll see how he fares against Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers in round one. This is the third best matchup that I have of all of the first round matchups in the NBA playoffs. The fourth best matchup I have, the Utah Jazz taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. And certainly Ja Morant and the Grizzlies played an extremely impressive game, knocking out the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry on Friday night. But I think people are sleeping on this Jazz team. Guard Donovan Mitchell is going to be coming back from a right ankle injury that he sustained about a month ago. He plans to play in the opener. But remember, this was a Jazz team that took the Nuggets to seven games in the first round a season ago. And we fell in love with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. But if it was Mitchell who who missed a shot at the buzzer that would have won it for his team a year ago, would we be thinking about the Jazz of how we're thinking about the Nuggets this season? Mitchell in that game seven a year ago in the playoffs shot nine of 22. He had one assist and nine turnovers. And again, he missed what would have been the game-winning shot. The Jazz had a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets last postseason, and they blew it. Now, another thing that I like with the Jazz, in addition to Mitchell's play, is Rudy Gobert on the interior, and he is outstanding defending the pick and roll. Utah allows 0.85 points per chance when Gobert defends the pick and roll, and that leads 101 players to log at least 400 of those type of plays. Two Mizzou connections I have to give to the Utah Jazz. Head coach Quinn Snyder, one of the three finalists to win NBA Coach of the Year. That award went to Phoenix's Monty Williams. But then also, guard Jordan Clarkson is a finalist to win the Sixth Man of the Year award. So 
two Mizzou ties for the Utah Jazz. A lot of people are sleeping on this Jazz team. I'd imagine they'll make some noise in the postseason again. I don't think anyone's talking about them, and they're not getting nearly enough credit headed into the postseason. The next best matchup that I have, Clippers against Mavericks. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can really just kind of play a dueling banjos routine to shut down Luka Doncic, at least when it matters. Now, the Clippers are heavy favorites to win this series, despite the fact that it's a four versus five matchup. Clippers are listed at minus 375 to win this series. The Mavericks at plus 300. For whatever reason, I just don't like the way that the Mavericks match up against the Clippers in this series. But one thing I'll say about the Clippers, the fact that they position themselves on the side of the Western Conference bracket that they did to avoid the Lakers, I think is very, very telling about this team. I want to go in with a team who's cool playing whatever matchup they have, whether it's going to be in the Staples Center, if they're going to be playing out in LA Live, whether they want to go out in a street fight in an alley. You shouldn't care who you play. And I've never seen it work out for a team that's deliberately tried to do this. I really hope we get to see a battle of LA in the Western Conference Finals between the Clippers and the Lakers. Because remember, we thought that was a foregone conclusion a year ago, and the Clippers came up short against the Nuggets last year in the second round of the NBA playoffs. I just hope that Steve Ballmer, he wants to win over LA and win, win LA as a town over the Lakers. You can't dodge the Lakers for forever. And if the Lakers do make it to the Western Conference Finals, I do hope that the Clippers are the team that they're matched up against. So once and for all, we can see who wins the battle of LA. And not to mention, depending on what happens, Kawhi Leonard due to become an NBA free agent. One other thing with this series, Rajon Rondo, I think, ultimately helps the Clippers because he performs well in big games. And the Clippers have that stench on them because they've never been able to get it done in the postseason for as long as they've been a franchise. If Rondo can help guide this team over the top, you've got the talent with Kawhi and you've got the talent with Paul George. Can you put it together? It's going to be a huge question headed into this postseason. The sixth best matchup that I have in the first round of the 2021 NBA playoffs 76ers against Wizards, another number one seed in the 76ers that is not getting nearly enough credit headed into the playoffs. You're going to see a huge difference between a team coached by Doc Rivers compared to Brett Brown a year ago. I think Joel Embiid's going to have a chip on his shoulder because I think he'll fall just short of winning the MVP, which I think will go to Nikola Jokic. That's no knock on Embiid. He probably would have won the MVP if not for a midseason injury, but he's played at an extremely high level this season. And I know Ben Simmons takes his grief for not being able to shoot from the outside and that defenses can play the 76ers with a four-on-five matchup. But late in games, if you need a defensive stop, the 76ers can put Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel out on the perimeter Two of those players can guard just about anyone. So the 76ers' ability to get stops in the postseason is why I really like this team. The question is going to be with Philadelphia. Can the 76ers get buckets down the stretch? That's going to be the big question mark when teams double 
triple and quadruple team. Joel Embiid down low. What is the 76ers counter? That being said, the Wizards enter the play-in tournament with a 17-6 and record. The Wizards have a terrific backcourt in Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. However, you can clearly see that Bradley Beal is compromised in this playoffs. I find it hard to believe he's operating and playing at 100%. And so as an eight seed, I don't expect the Wizards to put up much of a fight. But if Westbrook and Beal get hot, they're two players that think they're the best players on the floor, regardless of who you're matched up against. I just think that the 76ers have more talent on the roster and can lock things down defensively when they need to. I like the 76ers to roll in this first-round matchup against the Wizards. The seventh-best matchup I have, Nets versus Celtics. And you might say, Mark, how are the Nets this far down considering they are the favorites to win the 2021 NBA title? I'm going to go Lee Corso on you here and say not so fast. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden have played a grand total of eight games together. And as prolific as it looked in that eight-game stretch, I'm not going to crown a team considering the fact that it's only an eight-game stretch where they've seen them on the floor playing together. Maybe the Celtics could put up more of a competitive fight in this series, if not for the season-ending wrist injury that Jalen Brown has sustained. And I get that the Nets are fun to watch because when KD is on the floor, scoring at nearly 125 points per 100 possessions as an absurd rate. But you're banking on the fact that Durant's going to stay healthy. KD's played just 35 games in his second season as a member of the Nets. He missed nearly two months with the hamstring injury. Now, Kyrie Irving, when he's been on the floor, has been great too. Just the fourth player ever to average at least 25 per game on 50, 40, 90 shooting. The Nets should easily win this series. I know Boston's Robert Williams is expected to play in game one, but the Celtics enter the postseason stumbling a bit. I know they took care of business in the play-in tournament, but they came into the play-in tournament with a 4-9 and nine finish to close out the regular season, and they had bad losses to the Thunder and the Cavaliers. I think the Nets will take care of business. I think where things get interesting is once the Nets advance into the second round, whether they have to play the Milwaukee Bucks or the Miami Heat, that's going to be a terrific second-round matchup. And the lowest... And I'm still excited to watch this matchup between the Knicks and the Hawks, two teams that didn't make the postseason a year ago. And how does Trey Young fare in the playoffs? He's prolific offensively, but will he get exposed on the defensive end of the floor? And you know with the Tom Thibodeau coach team, you're going to be tough and physical. The Knicks allowed just 104.7 points per game, which might sound like a lot, but in today's NBA, that was the fewest in the league. I think Julius Randle deserves all the praise in the world. I think he deserves to get named to one of the all-NBA teams for how he's played this season. I would be shocked if he was not the league's most improved player. But more importantly than Julius Randle's play is the three-point shooting that they've surrounded him with. Because this was what was a weakness for the Knicks a season ago. Last season, they finished 27th in the league in three-point percentage. This season, they're third in that statistic. 
Randall had never really been a great three-point shooter, 29.5% from deep entering the season. He's converted 41% of his three-point attempts this season. And how about the year-to-year progression of R.J. Barrett? Here's a player who shot 30.8% from three while at Duke, shot a little bit better as a rookie with the Knicks. This year, he's at above 40% clip from three. Hats off to R.J. Barrett and the rest of the Knicks team who've been able to shoot the three better to where when Julius Randle needs to slash and kick, they're able to do that. The Knicks have made the playoffs only three times in the past 15 seasons. The 2012-2013 season marked the last time the Knicks made the playoffs, so it's been quite some time. And if I squint my eyes, you've got Thibodeau on the sideline barking out defensive calls. Derrick Rose is dominating off the bench for the Knicks. And Taj Gibson's making hustle plays brings back a lot of good memories from the 2011 Chicago Bulls. They just happen to be playing 10 years later for the New York Knicks. I've enjoyed providing my analysis of the 2021 NBA playoffs. And if you enjoyed it, please reach out to me on social media. I'm at MD Bergen, that's M-D-B-E-R-G-I-N, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let me know what you thought of my analysis. Take care, so long everyone, and enjoy the 2021 NBA playoffs.